morning, everybody. Good to see you today. Are you glad you came to church? Awesome. Good to see you this morning. And uh, didn't Daniel do a great job last week? I was able to catch that uh, later in the week, and uh, he did an excellent job. I really appreciate Daniel. I said in the first service, we've been serving together for over 20 years. I don't know. I think it's been 2001, and uh, he's still younger than me, which is really <laughs> annoying. No, uh, but uh, we're, we're super blessed at our church to have Daniel and his leadership, of course, his wife, who, you know, is everything, and then the children, who are also everything, and uh, I'm trying not to offend the Merrick family. I want everybody to feel, but hey, do you, do you appreciate Daniel and his family? They are so wonderful, and uh, it's just so cool to be, be gone and then watch them on later and just say, oh, I'm part of that church. That's pretty cool. So anyway, uh, Daniel did a, had a great message last week about, I, I believe it was something like warring out of your identity. And uh, this was not rehearsed, this was not planned. I think, I think what I have to share is along the same lines. This was something that was dropped in my spirit. And I'm going to start a, a new series today, and the title of the series is Liar, Liar. And it's about unmasking Satan's lies. And uh, this idea that uh, there's a very real enemy that is out to still kill and destroy. And uh, we're going to talk about, we're going to spend a few weeks not highlighting the devil, but exposing him so that we are better equipped to defeat him. So that's the goal of what we're going to be dealing with. And we know... Uh, the Bible talks about Satan, and we know him by many different names and titles and descriptions. The Bible refers to him as our adversary, the accuser of the brethren, the wicked one, the evil one, the prince of the power of the air. And those are just a few of the names. Um, but I think the one that, to me, best identifies the nature of Satan, who he is, and what he does is actually found in Jesus' words. In John chapter 8, verse 44, Jesus was speaking to the Pharisees and the scribes and some of the Jews, and he said, you belong to your father, the devil. How, how, do, you like, how do you like Jesus now? <laughs> you people are like the devil. So he says, you belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. Now listen, there is no truth in Satan. And then it says, when he lies, he speaks his native language. I love that. For he is a liar and the father of all lies. And the concept of he's the father of lies speaks to that idea like, like a father who sows seed and children come forth, Satan sows the seeds of deception. And if we receive that seed and believe that seed, then we can conceive death in us. Now it's easy for us to see the effects of satanic lies 
sweeping across the world today. You don't have to look hard and long to see how his lies have brought devastation. But are we as alert? Are we as alert to the lies and the deceptions that are coming against us? Um, Church, I just want to remind us today, the devil lies to you too. And he speaks to you too. And, uh, and so, and sometimes we end up believing these lies. We, un, un, you know, we, we don't wake up in the morning thinking, oh, I just want to believe the lie of the devil today. But it, in a, it kind of comes upon us and sometimes we look, turn back and we see, oh, I've been following after that lie. I've been living in that lie. I've been making choices based on that lie. And then it brings hurt and harm and devastation to our lives. There are a lot of lies that Satan is telling us, and there's no way that we can cover them all. And I'm not going to try to do that. But over the next few weeks, I want to talk about a few of what I think are kind of big ones. And uh, so today, we're going to begin with lie number one. And lie number one from Satan to you and I today is you can't trust God's Word. You can't believe God's Word. You can't depend upon God's Word. God's Word is not the truth basically. And uh, we're going to look at this today. And so this morning, I, in prayer, I, I received a word that God had my back. And so I was like, thank you, Lord. I need you to have my back today. And, uh, but I want to pray, and I want God to have all of our backs, because when you start talking about things like this, just, you know, it's there's warfare that's involved in it, and I, I, I want us to be prepared for what God wants to do. So, Holy Spirit, we welcome you here today. Thank you for your word that is eternal, everlasting, and it's solid for foundation. It's solid for building our lives on. I pray today, God, for your grace to be able to preach your word, and I pray for every one of us, God, that you literally will have all of our backs. You promised in your word that you, that you would be a wall of fire around us. And Lord, we, we receive that right now. We know that we're, we're going to talk about the enemy, but we want to focus on you. In Jesus' name. And everybody says, Amen. Let's read the word. All the way back to Genesis chapter 3. Now the serpent was more cunning than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. And he said to the woman, Has God indeed said, You shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Then the serpent said to the woman, You will not surely die, for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. So when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, that it was pleasant to the eyes, and a tree desirable to make one wise. She took of its fruit and ate. She also gave to her husband with her, and he ate. So he's right there with her. Then the eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves covering. And I'm going to just stop right there. So right here at the very beginning we see Satan's first encounter with humanity was to seek to attack God by trying to 
challenge their allegiance to the word of God. See, Satan hates God, and he, he wanted to rise above God. But Satan has no power against God. Satan is not God's opposite equal. God created Satan, but Satan in his pride wanted to be God, wanted to take over to be God. And so he fell in his rebellion, and he hates God, but he can't get to God. So he goes after everything God loves and everyone God loves. And so he attacked Adam and Eve basically in the garden because he couldn't do anything with God. So he goes after the very ones that God created, the one that God loves. And the very first thing he does is he challenges the word of God given to them. And we have to remember something. Adam and Eve, at this point, are walking in perfect harmony with God. They walk with him every day. They have an intimate relationship with God. They, at this point, had never sinned. They had never committed sin. So they, they only knew this loving relationship of God. But Satan had a plan. The devil uh, had a plan to, uh, he devised a plan to pull them into rebellion in order to sin against God. And he did this by getting them to question the validity of what God had said to them. And so afterwards, after he was successful, because we see what happened, and it goes on later and talks about the repercussions of that, what happened. When he got them to do that, the, the rest is history, as they say. The result of that one encounter brought untold death, devastation, destruction, disease in the earth like the world has never known, right? And, uh, but I want to just say something. That, what happened back in Genesis chapter 3, is a picture of what goes on all the time. The, the hurt, the pain, the dysfunction, the death, the disease, is not just an Adam and Eve thing and we get the, re, the repercussions of that. We're seeing a picture of how the enemy works of what he's up to and what he does. Jesus said, you are of your father, the devil. You are like him. You are presently, in this moment, acting like he acts, being the way he is, because you believed his lies. You've taken them on yourself. And now it's being played out in your behavior. And we're not Pharisees, hopefully. Nobody in the room is Pharisees and scribes and Sadducees and people that are defiant of God. But we are people of God like Adam and Eve who walked in perfect harmony with God and still were lied to and still believed the lie and operated and functioned out of the lie and brought hurt and pain and devastation to their lives. And basically, what did the devil say? You can't trust God's word. You can't believe God's word. But I want to hear, I'm here to tell you today that the very thing that Satan is lying to you about concerning God's word, that is the very thing we need to double down on in order to defeat him. It's the word of God. So I want to say something to you. Jesus said that the thief comes to kill steal, and destroy. Satan is a destroyer. His weapons are his lies. His target 
is our head, our mind, our brain, our, us right here. His lies, uh, our, our thoughts are the target of his lies. And when we believe them, a stronghold is established. And so today, I want to help us, and I know much of this is just going back over the basics. I know that probably you already have heard this and know this, but I want to encourage us today that Satan is a liar. He is a liar, liar, pants on fire kind of guy. And uh, he's trying to tell us that God, you can't, you can't depend on God's word. You can't build your life on God's word. But it is the only way that we can live life abundantly is the word of God. And so the way I want to do this today is I want to take uh, some time to just talk about how Satan seeks to undermine God's word in our life by looking at what happened. Now, we read out of Genesis chapter 3, but in Genesis chapter 1 and 2, the only person you hear speaking is God. God is speaking. He's creating things. He's calling things. He's commanding things. But in chapter 3, the next voice you hear is the deceitful devil. Here in chapters 1 and 2, God is doing the talking, and he's bringing life, and he's got purpose, and he's got uh, he's got promises and he's got commands, obviously. But, but then the devil shows up and he's come to bring deception. And so he begins to speak with Eve and she begins to engage him. That's our first problem. We start engaging him. We start, we start quibbling over the word of God with, uh, with the enemy. And this is how Satan works. He engages our senses, methodically chipping away at our understanding of the truth in order to get us deceived and get us pulled into deceptive arguments. Can I just tell you that the devil doesn't care if you own a Bible. He just doesn't want you to read it. And if you read it, he doesn't want you to understand it. And he wants you to be confused about it to the point where you think, I don't know, I can't understand the Word of God, so we neglect the Word of God. Sometimes we just outright reject the Word of God. And that's what he wants. I read uh, this last week that 85% of households in the United States of America have a Bible in it. 85% of American households have a physical, actual Bible in the house. Of those 85, most of those have at least four or five Bibles in it. So, does it look like we have a Bible in our home in the United States of America? When you look at the lies, when you look at the brokenness, when you look at the devastation, we may have the Bible in our home, but is the Word of God in our heart? Is it in our mind? Is it, is it in our thoughts? Amen. Satan doesn't care if God said something to them. He just doesn't want them to believe what God said. He doesn't want them to own what God said. He doesn't want them to build their lives on what God said. And so this is the this is what he's after. He's after to, he wants to undermine the word of God in your life and in our in all of our lives. So how does he do this? Well, here's the undermining process. First of all, he wants to get us to doubt the goodness of God's word. 
I love, I don't love the first words, but I, I, it's so obvious to me. Satan shows up and he says, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree? Do you hear the tone? Did God really say? He just twisted the word just a little bit. He kind of took God's word and he put a little twist on the word of God. And he was trying to get Eve to like, did God really say to you that you can't eat of all the trees in the garden? Why would God say that to you? If God is so good, why would he set restrictions on you? Why would he put limitations around your life? Why would he say you can do this, but you can't do that? If God is really good and he's after your happiness and he wants you to be happy, and isn't this the way of the world? I believe God wants me to be happy. I'll tell you what he wants more. He wants you to be holy. (laughs) Come on out there. And so Satan whispered, he just, he just whispered those words, did, did, has God really said this? And you know what he's getting them to do? He's getting them to focus on the no's of God and, and forget about all the yeses of God. Let's just, let's just talk about something for a second. Yeah, God's word has some restrictions in it. God's word has some prohibitions. God's word has that in there. You know why? Because he wants you to live. He wants you to stay alive. So he puts guardrails of restrictions around our life to help us to make the right decision so we don't step over into death and plummet to our death. Because he is a good God and a loving God. And so he will do that for you and me because he loves us that much. In fact, I was reading, there's a scripture I want to show you in in Psalms 119, verse 68. The psalmist said, you are good. Talking to the Lord. You are good and do good. How many of you know that God is good and he does good, right? But listen to him. You are good and do good. Teach me your statutes. Now, the word statutes, I looked it up in the Strong's Concordance. We can all do this. Everybody can do this on their own. And I did it. And the word statute means an ordinance, a limit, or a boundary. So he's saying, God, you are good. You're so good to me. You've set boundaries in my life. Show me those boundaries so I don't step off of them and fall to my death. The enemy wants you to look at God's word and see what God is saying and see the restrictions and point out all of the no's of God, ignoring all of the yeses and focusing on the no's as if that's a negative thing. Really, it's a life-giving thing. And it's so important. I'm sorry I'm yelling so much. I'll try to be less yelly. So the devil starts with this. He wants to get us to doubt the goodness of God's word, that it is good for me. Then, once he gets me into, and he sucks me into that vortex of beginning to doubt the, the, the goodness of God's word, the next step is that he wants to get me to distort the clarity of the word. So here's what happened. The devil said, has God indeed said you shall not eat of every tree of the garden? And then Eve begins conversing with the devil. And as I said, that was her first problem. So what happens is she said, 
He said, we may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, now listen to what she said, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. So Sherry, go back to the first part of that verse. I want you to see what she said again. We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden. Sounds right, but hang on. But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, you shall not eat it, nor shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, let's see if that's exactly what God said. Going back to Genesis chapter 2, now this is God talking to Adam. And the Lord said, the Lord commanded, everybody say God commanded. God commanded the man saying, of every tree of the garden you may freely eat. But of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil you shall not eat, for in the day that you eat of it you shall surely die. Now, it may seem like this is a little bit of splitting hairs, but this is the subtlety of Satan's work. Notice the three little nuances of changes in her response to the devil. When she responded to his question, Eve forgot to mention that all that they were freely given to eat. She didn't mention that part. He said, has God said you shall not eat of every tree? And God said to Adam earlier, you shall eat freely of all the trees. Freely. There's so much blessing I have for you. But she left that little part out in the response to the devil. Like, she just left out that freely part. And then the second thing that I noticed in this is that she added something that is not recorded that God said. She added that little part where he said, you don't even touch it. Well, in chapter 2, verse 16 and 17, the Lord never said, don't even touch it. But she added to it. And then the third thing that happened is that she seemed like she minimized the importance of what was said when she said, lest you die. And that, that little phrase, lest you die, if you eat it, lest you die, almost sounds a little um, innocuous, like it's not that big of a deal. It's almost the tone of it is this. Maybe you'll die, maybe, maybe you will, maybe you won't. If you, if you, if you do that, this, might, this could hurt you, but maybe it won't. But actually what God said is in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. So here's the point. This is, this is exactly how Satan works. If we start listening to the lies and quibbling with the devil over God's word and start uh, you know, entertaining those doubtful thoughts, all of a sudden we begin to change what God said to fit our doubts. And we start readjusting God's word and we start leaving things out and putting things in and minimizing the power of what was said. That's distortion. This is what Satan wants to get us to do. This is what happens to a lot of us as Christians when we have these doubts about what God is saying. All of a sudden, you know, you can make the Bible say what you want it to say when you want it to say it that way. Amen. Are you with me out there? 
So this is, this is how Satan comes in. This is the lie. You can't trust God's word. Doubt it. Distort it. Change it. And then the third thing, he wants us to despise the importance of the word. Now listen to the devil. When she said, God said, don't eat of it lest you die, the devil said to her in the last part of verse 4, you will not die. God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. And you will be like God, knowing good from evil. Again, hear the tone and the, uh, the attitude of the devil. This is what he's trying to pass on to us, this idea. You know what he's basically saying? You don't really need God. You can be the master of your own destiny. You don't need God's word to be telling you what you can and cannot do and what is good and what is bad and what is life and what is death. You, you know, you can do this for yourself. Well, let me just clue you in. No, you can't. Amen. Not, you, can, you can't and live. We need the word of God. Man does not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of God. And so, he wants to get us to that place where we despise God's word. And we think, you know, I don't need God's word. I can do this myself. And I, I want to show you a verse of scripture in Proverbs chapter 13, verse 13. It says, he who despises the word will be destroyed. But he who fears the commandment will be rewarded. To despise the word is to treat it as worthless, is, is not important for me and he said that's where destruction comes in but the person who fears the word of god that's the person that's rewarded how many could use some rewards in your life come on put the word in right standing with yourself so when he gets us to doubt the word to distort it or change it to despise it as treated as if it's not that important for me then the only thing left is to defy the, the commandment of the word. That's where he wants to get us. So here's what happened. So Eve, after she heard the devil, when she saw that the tree was good for food and it was pleasant to the eyes and that it was desirable to make one wise, she took it and she ate it and then she gave it to her husband and he ate it. They defied the command of God. They rebelled against the word of God. And this is what happens when we start believing the lie and doubting God's word and changing God's word and despising God's word, then that just leads to the defiance of God's word. And this defiance then and now is what brings on death. This is what hurts us. And we have a problem. Our defiance against God's word and our disobedience to it is killing us. It's killing us individually. It's killing some, sometimes it, it's hurting our marriages. It's hurting individual lives and their brokenness. It's, it's killing the nation. It's killing the, the, the world around us. This stuff is going on and it's, and it's all directly traceable to that first attack on humankind. You can't believe God's word. You can't build your life on God's word. You can't trust God's word. 
And if you think that that was just an event that happened then and it's in the past and it's not happening today and it doesn't happen to us, then we're, we're living under deception. This is why Peter said, 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9, Peter said, be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary, the devil, walks about like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may, may devour. Resist him steadfast in the faith. Notice that Peter didn't say he's walking about like a roaring lion, seeking all those sinners that he may devour. It's whomever he may devour. And so what's our, what's our posture? He says, resist him steadfast in the faith. Can we read that all together right there, that last phrase? Resist him. No, go back there. Yeah, there you go. Resist him steadfast in the faith. So the only way that we can do this is re, and overcome this lie of the enemy that you don't need the word of God is you got to resist him. You guys want to resist the devil? So let's talk about this. He tries to undermine God's word in us. So how do we resist him? Well, we undermine his attack against us. This is what we're going to do. So there's a phrase that says you can fight fire with fire. Fire cannot burn where fire has been. Well, the very thing that Satan is coming to take from us, the word of God, is the very thing we need to double down on in order to defeat him. The Word of God. And I love how Paul described the Word of God. He described it as the sword of the Spirit. The Bible, the Logos of God, the written revelation of God is, is the Word of God in, in full. But God, from the Logos, speaks rhema word to us. In other words, he causes those words on those pages to come alive in our spirit and he speaks his word and his truth to us individually and personally and it becomes a rhema word which Paul said is like a dagger-like sword, a double-edged sword that you have, that you hold on to, that you take with you everywhere you go in order to overcome all the power of the devil. Every day, you have this sword of the Spirit, and it comes from the living Word of God, the eternal Word of God, but it is personal. It is powerful. It is life-giving. It is a Word that God speaks to you as you read God's Word, as you listen to God's Word in dreams and in visions, in, in that still, small voice as you're walking through life. God will give you His Word, and that's your sword and it's a double-edged sword. Hallelujah. Come on, church. Anybody here happy you got a sword of the Spirit? Amen. Amen. And so, this, this is how we undermine his attack. This is how we undo his power against us, is we get this sword in us. And I, uh, let, me, let me read this verse of Scripture. 1 John chapter 2, verse 14 says, John writes and he says, I have written to you, young men, and you could throw in there, young women. I've written to you because you, listen, you are strong. And the word of God abides in you. And look at it. And you have overcome the wicked one. I love that verse of scripture. Because in Christ, that's my reality. In Christ, that's your reality. You have strength. You have overcome. How? By abiding in the word. 
And so every human sword gets dull with overuse of time. You know, over time, you use it, the blade, the edge, the cutting edge gets dull. But God's Word never gets dull. It's sharp all the time. But sometimes I get dull in my use of it or in my understanding of it. And if I'm going to hold on to the truth and be victorious in the truth, i got to keep the word sharp, so to speak. i got to sharpen the sword of my soul where it concerns God's word. And so the way I want to kind of conclude this message today is focus in on some very practical ideas about keeping the sword sharp, keeping your, the sharpness of God's word in you so that you can um, victoriously overcome the enemy, the lie of the enemy. Number one, if we're going to, we need to sharpen the word of God, we need to read it faithfully. Read it faithfully. I wanted to say daily, but I didn't want anybody to come under condemnation. So I'll just say, just be faithful in reading God's Word. Uh, I read here this last week that the average American spends two and a half hours a day on social media. And, uh, and sometimes we can't find 10, 5, 15 minutes to spend in God's Word. And if I want to be strong in the Word, and to be sharp in the Word. I've got to be faithful to read the Word. It's just that simple. I need to read it. You remember when the devil came against Jesus? And in, uh, in the wilderness, and every time he tempted Jesus, Jesus had a response and he quoted the scripture. In fact, the devil was twisting the scripture every time. He was twisting it. And Jesus retorted back with clarity and understanding of the word and used the word rightly to defeat the temptation of the enemy. But here's my point. How did Jesus get that? You say, well, he's Jesus. He's God. He remembers everything. But Jesus was also fully human. And he learned those scriptures growing up in his humanity from childhood. And so he knew how to overcome the lie of the enemy because he had practiced, he had, he had read the Word, he had studied the Word, he had memorized the Word, he had meditated on the Word. The Word became a part of him because he read it. Amen. Amen. If we can spend two and a half hours, and I know nobody in the room does that on social media, but people in your neighborhood do, if we can spend that amount of time thumbing through the phone, we can spend at least 10, 15 minutes, five minutes, five minutes genuinely reading God's Word, thumbing through the Word. Amen. And so when we give ourselves to read it faithfully, it does things to us. I want to show you a verse of Scripture. It's actually three verses. It's found in Deuteronomy chapter 17. And this is God's, God said, when the day comes that you get a king, he said, this is what that king is supposed to do. It says, and also it shall be 
when the king sits on the throne of his kingdom, that he shall write for himself a copy of this law in a book, talking about the law of Moses, from the one before the priests, the Levites. And it shall be with him, this law, this copy, this writing, this rewriting of the scriptures, that shall be with him, and he shall read it all the days of his life. That he may learn to fear God. To have a genuine fear of God. Of of the Lord his God. And be careful to observe all the words of his law. And do these statutes. There it is. To follow the statutes. To live by the regulations. To follow God's decree for my life. He said he's got to be in the word. All the days. Everybody say all the days. Not just some of the days. Not just one of the days. But all the days. That his heart may not be lifted above his brethren. That he may not turn aside from the commandment to the right hand or to the left. See, that's what's happening with us. We're not spending time in God's word and we, we drift off. We drift off in, in it, when... When we don't give the importance of God's word in our life and we just kind of like, you know, we leave that up to the people who do that. You know, the people get paid to do that. And we just kind of show up and get a good little word here and there. We, we end up drifting to the right or to the left. It's right here. It's right here in the Bible. He's, he needs to do this. He needs to so that he does not turn aside. And that he may prolong his days in the kingdom, he and his children in the midst of Israel. So when we devote ourselves daily to God's word, we are abiding with Christ. We are cultivating a habit. Say, I, I, want, I want reading the Bible to be a habit. Do you know how you make it a habit? You keep doing it. And, you just, and you're just like, I'm jonesing for the word. I need, no. The only, way, the, only, the only way to make it a habit is to make it a habit. Just get up and do it, or, or before you go to sleep, whatever. But also, it gives me a godly perspective, so I need to read it faithfully. Then I need to believe it personally. I need to believe God's Word. Paul said in 1 Thessalonians 2, 13, For this reason, we also thank God without ceasing. Because when you received the word of God, which you heard from us, you welcomed it, not as the word of men, but as, the, but as it is in truth, the word of God, which also effectively works in you who believe. Look at those words. You heard the word through us, and you welcomed it, and you just believed it. You believed it. You believed the word. And we thank God that you heard what we said and you believe the word. And I just want to encourage you here today. The best place to start is just believe the Bible. Just believe God's word. Just accept it for what it is. It is the word of God. 
And, and I, know that, I know there's all kinds of arguments out there that say, well, you, you can't possibly believe all of the Bible. You can't possibly believe that everything in the Bible is from God. Yes, I can. And I do. Why? Because it says it's from God. You say, you can't believe that. It's got so many holes in it. Well, I don't believe it has holes in it. But let's, for sake of argument, say that it does. Let's just say the Bible and God's Word has holes in it. For the sake of argument, do you, you don't think science has holes in it? Or education has holes in it? Or politicians and politics and ideological ideas? You don't think none of those things have holes in those? And you're going to bank your life on that? I just start with, you know what, I don't understand it all. I talked to a young man just after, after the first service, and he was talking, man, I want to be in the Word. I want to be in the Word, but I don't understand most of what I'm reading. I don't get it. I don't, and I, I fully can appreciate that. I'm so thankful that he shared that with me. And the, the only way that I know how to go about this is to just start here. I believe what God says. I don't understand it all. But if I read it faithfully, over time, by the Spirit of God, understanding will come. It will come. But it won't come if we get discouraged and say, I don't get it, and throw it away. I remember in Bible college, I was so desperate to know God and to know His will, and I would be reading the Bible. This wasn't even for classes. This was my own trying to understand God's Word, and I would read it, and I would see those big words, and justification, and sanctification, and all these words, and I'd be like, God, I don't I literally remember closing my Bible like this. Boom. I don't get it. Just, you know, the, I get it. I understand that. But I'm sitting here today, we... And then you're probably out there saying, we can't get this guy to shut up. No. I don't claim to know it all. I'm just, the point is, is you'll get there if you stay there. And you'll get there if you just accept God's word as the truth. You know what? I believe God created the heavens and the earth. I just do. I believe he made the earth in seven days. You say, well, are you think those are actual seven days? Well, it said seven days. I'm going with that. I'm just going to, I'm starting there. You say, well, I can't, I can't buy into that with all the other scientific proof, which, by the way, is constantly being readjusted. And all honor to science in the, in the purest form, to understand our universe. I'm not dogging that. I, think, I don't think we're against each other. I think it actually really helps us to understand the magnitude of what God is doing. So I'm not trying to be mean-spirited against that at all. I'm just saying I, I believe that we must believe God's Word. Just believe it. Just start there. I don't understand it. It's hard for me to buy into that. I struggle with that. I'm not sure that that matters to me. But you said it. And I'm going to try to believe it. Amen.
So read it faithfully. Believe it personally. Grow in it continuously. Grow by it. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2 says, As newborn babes desire the pure milk of the word, desire the pure milk of the word, that you may grow thereby. You want to grow? Let me say it this way. How many of you know you need to change in some area of your life? Oh, you guys are way more honest than the first service. I literally had four hands. Thank you for your honesty. Here's how you change. The power of the Word of God. The Word changes you. It's like my little, my newest grandbaby named Merritt. They send us, Julie and I were there the day after, or the day of his birth. So we saw him the next day. And he was beautiful. Not all grandbabies are, but he was a beautiful grandbaby. Then we leave. A week later, we get pictures, and we're still getting pictures. It's astounding how much he's changing. You know why he's changing? Because he desires mom's milk, and he's eating mom's milk, and he's ingesting the milk, and it's changing him. It's growing him. It's transforming him. And that's what Peter was saying to us. He said, if you will have that same kind of passion for the milk of God's word, you will be there and it will get in you and it will grow you and it will develop you and it will, it will begin to press you and stretch you and burst out. And you know what it does? It gets rid of the things that don't need to be there. It grows you past things. It grows you through things. It grows you beyond things. Oh, I wish this was out of my life. I wish I could overcome this. Hang in there. One day you'll look back and you'll say, man, when did that drop off? When did that go away? It was because you desired the pure milk of God's word. And you grew. And you got there. But you need to read it faithfully. Believe it personally. Grow by it continuously. Then... Here's another thing we need to do with the word. Speak it boldly. Listen, sometimes you just got to tell the devil where to get off. Come on. And I mean, we need to literally, verbally, auditorily speak the word of God. Just like Jesus, when Satan came and tempted him, he responded, he rebuked him by Correctly quoting God's word, saying what God said, saying who he was. Every time that the devil came against him, he said, he, he started this way, if you really are the son of God, trying to strike him at the core of his identity. And Jesus responded in just the security of who he was, what God really said. And in that, he overcame all the power of the enemy. And sometimes you've got to speak. You've got to give the devil the lip. You've got to give him some lip. Talk back to the devil. And tell him what's up. Amen. And start proclaiming the word of God. Listen to these words. Isaiah, in fact, I just, I snuck a peek. I don't normally even look at this. But this happens to be the scripture of the day on the Bible app. Isaiah chapter 55 verse 11 says, so shall my word.
be that goes forth from my mouth. It shall not return to me void, but it shall accomplish what I please, and it shall prosper in the thing for which I sent it. You say, well, that's about God. Well, you are in God, and God is in you. And now when you speak, you have authority. And when you say the words, they will not return to you void because you're speaking the life-giving word of God. You're speaking the rhema word of God. You're taking that dagger and you're sinking it deep and twisting it. And then an extra little uh. Because you have the power. Amen. So speak it boldly. Speak it out. Walk through your house. Sometimes you can get rid of those things demonic presence and, and just oppression. By walking through, just speaking. Walking into a certain bedroom, just speak it. Speak it over yourself. Speak it over your marriage. Speak it over your finance. Speak it. Amen. And then the final thing is we need to live it intentionally. We need to live it. So, Here's how you keep the sword sharp. You read it faithfully. Believe it personally. Grow by it continuously. Speak it boldly and live it with intentionality. In other words, you obey it. You know what? Every time you and I come to the Word of God, whether it's through a message or through a Bible app or through our you know, pages on our Bible or, or, or God speaks to us and God's talking. Th- you know, so, sometimes, I don't mean any disrespect to the Bible of God. I love the Bible. It's, it's my goat. I love to open that up every morning. I love it with a cup of coffee. It just even goes down better that way. And, I have, and I'm reading God's Word, but there are times when the Word is more alive. No, and I, I hope you understand the spirit of what I'm saying, but it's when I'm hearing God. I'm hearing God. I'm not reading verses on a page. I'm hearing God. Some of the things that come out up here came out there. And I wasn't trying to prepare a sermon. I really try not to do that in my morning devotion. I really try. But what is happening is, when you're meeting with God, He loves to communicate. And He's talking, and He's revealing things, and He's saying things to you. And when you get that Word of God, Here's your responsibility. Apply it to your life. Apply it. Make it applicable. And then appropriate the promise of it. Just, if this is what you're saying, I'm going to not only just apply it to my life, but I'm going to make it a part of me. It's going to be a part of what I'm doing. And then just wait for the power because it's coming. God's word is powerful. And you're going to walk in the power of God. See, Satan wants... He wants us, he wants to rob. Remember what Jesus said, the thief comes to steal, to kill, and to destroy. And I was thinking of that word steal because remember the parable that Jesus talked about where he talked about the, the four conditions of soil and that seed fell on the hard and the rocky and the weedy and the good. And on the hard soil, he said the seed fell on the hardened path And the bird of the air came and saw the seed and snatched it and took it away. And then Jesus gave application. He said that bird is like the devil. 
God's seed was spread, but it wasn't able to penetrate because of the hardness of the heart. And the devil was able to snatch away the potential and the power of God's word. The only, the only issue isn't that Satan has more power. It's where's my heart where it concerns God's word. Where's my heart? The Bible says break up your fallow ground. Break it up so that the word of God, the seed of God's promise can get in you. Satan wants you to believe that you, don't, you can't build your life on God's word, but you have to build your life on God's word. And when you do, he's defeated. Amen, church? Let's stand together. Can I have the prayer team come and uh, prepare to pray for anyone? If you need prayer today before you leave, please come forward for anything. If you have any need or anything you'd like to pray about, whether we talked about it or, or whether it's just something you're going through, I want to encourage you to come. Would you uh, just join with me? Could you hold your hands open like this before the Lord? and Let's... Let's pray for softened hearts concerning God's word. Lord, I just want to thank you for everyone here today to hear this word. I know probably most, if not all, have already heard something like this and and been challenged in this. But so often, God, we can and so easily get distracted and drift away from the truth of your word, from the importance of your word. Sometimes, God, we don't understand it. Sometimes we don't like it. And therefore, we kind of do our own thing, not realizing that we're setting ourselves up for hurt. But our hands are, our hands are out to you right now in a point of surrender. Lord, we ask that you would give us a softened heart where it concerns your word that we won't believe the lie of the enemy, that God's word doesn't matter. It does. We believe that. And we want, to so- we want to be softened in that area. God, some of us struggle with reading it. Many of us, and me included, Lord, sometimes I don't understand it. Sometimes I don't know what to do with it. But I pray, God, that we would never fall prey to the alternative and just reject it. God, I pray that we will find a way to press in, to crave your word, to desire your word like a newborn baby. Lord, we love you. We give ourselves to you completely and fully. Thank you for your promise. We stand in it today in Jesus' name. And everybody says amen.